Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. In local news headlines, police say a man who assaulted woman arrested after standoff in Dubuque. Police said a man who assaulted a woman was arrested after an hour-long standoff in Dubuque. David C. Miller, 47, of 2411 White Street, Number 1, was arrested at 4.04 a.m. Sunday at his residence on charges of domestic assault with injury in violation of a no-contact order. Court documents state that police responded at 2.04 a.m. Sunday to the area of East 24th and White Streets for a report of a physical assault. Kamisha L. Dixon, 37, of 2411 White Street, Number 1, was found, quote, covered in blood and to have multiple injuries to her head, document state. Dixon told police she had been sleeping at her residence when Miller walked into the bedroom and began assaulting her, at times using an unknown blunt object, document state. Miller was arrested after an hour-long standoff with police, document state. Blood was found on the back porch area of the residence and Miller had dried blood on his hands, document state. Dubuque Police Department Captain Brendan Wells said officers continued to investigate the incident. There is a potential for upgraded charges as the investigation continues, Welch said. Authorities say human remains discovered near Manchester confirmed to be those of a missing man. Dayline, Manchester, Iowa. Authorities said human remains located in November in Delaware County were confirmed to be those of a man who went missing 10 years ago. The Office of State Medical Examiner confirmed that the remains were those of Brian Burns, according to the Delaware County Sheriff's Department. The release date is that pheasant hunters reported the discovery of the remains November 5th in a field one mile east of the intersection of 190th Street and 130th Avenue in rural Delaware County. The area where the remains were found is approximately one mile southwest of Burns' residence. The identity of the remains was confirmed by DNA testing. The release states that the cause of death is undetermined at this time. Burns of Manchester was declared dead by a Delaware County jury in 2021, eight years after his reported missing on December 23, 2013. According to doc court documents, Burns, 55 at the time, last was seen at his residence at 1381 180th Street in Manchester the morning of December 19, 2013. At the time, he worked at Hartridge Golf Course in Manchester. In November 2021, Delaware County Sheriff John LeClaire told the Telegraph Herald that, though Burns legally was considered dead, the case regarding his disappearance would remain open. The law enforcement had found little evidence regarding what might have happened to him. The Delaware County Sheriff's Department and the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation continues to investigate the case according to the release. Police say a man waved handgun in air during Dubuque disturbance. Police said a man waved a handgun in the air in front of four children and his living girlfriend during a disturbance in Dubuque. Nolan L. Henderson, 35, of 1927 Amelia Drive, was arrested at 11.09 p.m. Saturday at his residence on charges of domestic assault while displaying a weapon, first-degree harassment, and four counts of child endangerment. Court documents state that Henderson's living girlfriend was leaving their residence with four children during a disturbance with Henderson when Henderson, quote, drew his black and gold handgun from his holster and began waving it around. The woman and the children drove to another house and contacted police. Police located Henderson sitting in a vehicle outside his residence with a loaded handgun 
in a holster on his right hip. Nolan told police he was arguing with his living girlfriend, but denied displaying the handgun. In Tri-State Area News, Mining and jo Rollo Jamison Museums to kick off annual lecture series. Dateline Platteville, Wisconsin. The Mining and Rollo Jamison Museums will host the first of seven virtual and in-person events as part of its Winter Lyceum series. Author Tim Fox will present, quote, Journey into Ice Age, Wisconsin, in person, February 25th at the Platteville Municipal Auditorium, number 75, North Bronson Street. The program will include hands-on activities and covers topics such as the Macedon, short-faced bear, stag moose, and saber-toothed cat. Other lectures in this series will be held March 3rd, 10th, 17th, and 24th, as well as April 7th. The time for each session is 5 to 6 p.m. The cost is $4 each, or $20 for a pass to all six events. Topics and speakers are listed, and registration is available online at mining.jamisonmuseums/programs. The first and last programs are in person. All others will be held via Zoom. Cuba City Schools to hold four-year-old kindergarten roundup. Dayline Cuba City, Wisconsin Cuba City School District will hold a four-year-old kindergarten roundup. Appointments are available at 8:30 a.m. 10 a.m., 12.30 p.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. on February 23rd or March 1 at the elementary school, 518 West Roosevelt Street. Call 608-744-2174 to schedule an appointment. The program is offered to all children living in the district who will be four years old on or before September 1. Families who do not live in the district could be eligible for open enrollment into the program. Visit dpi.wi.gov slash oe for more information on open enrollment. Southwest Wisconsin Hospital to host hands-only CPR course in February. Deadline, Lancaster, Wisconsin. Southwest Wisconsin Hospital will offer hands-free, free hands-only CPR courses next month. Courses offered from 5.30 to 7 p.m. February 15th and 28th at Grant Regional Health Center, 507 South Monroe Street in Lancaster. The course is held during American Heart Month in February. The class is not a certification class and designed for all ability levels. Contact Hannah Kirschbaum at 608-723-1379 or email hkirschbaum at grantregional.com for registration and other information. Jackson County Conservation Seeks Campground Hose for County Parks. Dateline Bellevue, Iowa. Jackson County Conservation Seeks Campground Hose for two county parks for the upcoming camping season. Hosts are needed for Spruce Creek Park in Bellevue, Iowa and South Sibula Lake Park in Sibula, Iowa, according to an online event announcement. The job posting states that campground hosts must be at least 18 years old and are responsible for registering campers cleaning campground facilities, selling firewood to campers, and otherwise maintaining the campground. Hosts will receive a daily pay rate of $25 to $35 per day at South Sibula Park and $50 to $60 at Spruce Creek Park, depending on experience. Free camping on a specified site for the duration of the contract is also provided for the host. Applications for the jobs are available at www.jackjacksonccb.com dot com or by visiting Hurstville Interpretive Center. 
Completed applications, along with a cover letter and resume, should be submitted to Sheila Root at sroot at jacksoncounty.iowa.gov or mailed to Jackson County Conservation at Hurstville Interpretive Center, 18670 63rd Street, McCorkett, Iowa, 52060. Applications must be submitted by noon, February 19. Dyersville Library to host Heart Health Event, Dateline Dyersville, Iowa. An upcoming hour-long event at Dyers, a Dyersville Public Library will offer insights into heart health and the prevention of heart diseases. Heart Health and Wellness 365 Heart Health will take place at 11 a.m. February 29th at James Kennedy Public Library, 320 1st Avenue East, according to an online event announcement. Northeast Iowa Area Agency on Aging Nutrition Specialist Colleen Lawler will lead the session which will discuss heart disease and heart attack prevention. The DASH Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension Eating Plan and the Proper Way to Take Blood Pressure. Food samples will be offered at the event, which is free and open to the public. Delaware County Foundation Accepting Grant Applications The Foundation for the Future of Delaware County will begin accepting grant applications beginning Thursday, February 1. Priority in the grant-making cycle will be given to projects and programs with the goal of strengthening families. Other eligible proposals are for projects that benefit a broad spectrum of the community or a chronically underserved segment of the population in the areas of health and human services, education, neighborhoods and community development, environment, children, youth and families, and arts and culture, including historic preservation. Applications are available online at dbqfoundation.org slash FFDC and are due March 15th. Mercy One Mobile Unit to offer flu vaccine in Cascade. Dateline, Cascade, Iowa. A mobile medical unit will provide free influenza vaccines, pre-diabetes screenings, and other services this week in Cascade. Mercy One's mobile medical unit will provide services from 2 to 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, January 31 at the Odding Body Shop, 306 Lincoln Avenue. Other services will include blood pressure checks and overall brain health assessments for stress and anxiety. Call 563-200-2111 or visit facebook.com slash mercyonedebute for more information. Tickets available for Manchester Hospital's Comedy Fundraiser. Dateline Manchester, Iowa. Tickets remain available for a Manchester comedy performance that will support hospital equipment needs. Comedy for a Cause with Health Harmison will be held from 6 to 9 p.m. Saturday, February 3rd at Delaware County Fairgrounds, 200 East Acer Street. Harmison has performed across the country and is the author of Father's Easy Answers to Life's Difficult Questions. Tickets are $40 or a table of eight is $300. Proceeds benefit Regional Medical Center CT scan equipment. The ticket price includes a taco bar and dessert. Visit tinyurl.com slash comedy cause for more information. Manchester event to provide assistance filling out Federal College financial aid form. Dateline Manchester, Iowa. An event will offer no cost assistance with filling out the free application for Federal Student Aid FAFSA in Delaware County. The event will be held from noon to 9 p.m. February 12th at Northeast Iowa Community College, Manchester Center, 1200 West Main Street, Manchester, Iowa. The event is held by 
West Delaware High School with support from Citizen State Bank, Iowa College Access Network, and NICC. Visit tinyurl.com slash FAFSA Manchester and click on West Delaware to schedule an appointment. Mardi Gras Pub Crawl planned in Galena, Dateline Galena, Illinois. An upcoming pub crawl in Galena will celebrate Mardi Gras. The Galena Mardi Gras Pub Crawl will take place from 5.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. Friday, February 9th, along Galena's Main Street. According to an online event announcement, participants will stop at several local businesses, including DeSoto House Hotel, Galena's Eagles Club, Galena, Iowa, Illinois, Elks Lodge, Paradise Bar and Grill, Gobby's Sports Pub and Eatery, Galena Brewing Company, and The Grape Escape. The event will feature live music, raffle drawings, food, drinks, and more. Tickets for the pub crawl are $25. can be purchased in advance at tinyurl.com slash msa39dzn or from 2 to 5 p.m. the day of the event by visiting the Grape Escape or by calling 779-214-0003. Space is limited. Applications accepted for Joe Davis County Scholarship. Stateline, Elizabeth, Illinois. Applications are being accepted for scholarships offered by University of Illinois, Joe Davis County Extension, and 4-H Foundation. The Ralph and Catherine Norris Scholarship supports Joe Davis County residents studying agriculture or related fields. The Joe Davis County Association for Home and Community Education offers two $300 scholarships to high school seniors in Joe Davis County. The application deadline is March 29th for the Norris and Home and Community Education Scholarships. Applications are available at the Extension Office at 204 Vine Street, Elizabeth, or by calling 815-858-2273. Love that lasts. Equal partnership key to couples 59-year marriage. Story by Michelle London, michelle.london at thmedia.com. In 1959, Mike Smith was working as a mechanic at A.Y. McDonald in Dubuque and found himself spending a lot of time looking over some boxes at a young woman working in the accounting department. I kept thinking, should I ask her out, Mike, now at E3 said, but I never make any rash decisions. Sandy Obershaw was that young woman. A Cassville, Wisconsin native, she had moved to Dubuque to work at Dun and Bradstreet as a typist. When D&B laid her off, she quickly found a job at A.Y. McDonald as an accounting assistant. But she had no idea Mike had a eye on her. He came up to me and one day and said, Don't you ever wash your car, Sandy Smythe, now 84, said. I said, Not often. Then he said, Let's wash your car on Saturday. It was Mike's way of finagling a date. After they washed the 59 Chevy, the two went to Sandy's drive-in for ice cream and then to a movie. They've been together ever since. It's a Guinness World Records for most expensive car wash ever, Mike said. I'd broken up with a girl I went with for a long time, and I'd said, the hell with it, I'm done with women. But Sandy was just, just as cute as a bug's ear. Sandy liked getting to know Mike on that first date. He was just so good-natured, she said. He was a happy-go-lucky kind of person. But he'd be serious on things when he needed to be serious. Mike and Sandy dated for almost four years. One day, Mike came to the mobile home Sandy shared with a roommate and handed her a bag. In it was a ring box containing Sandy's engagement ring. So, not a formal proposal, Sandy said. I was too worried about how he was going to pay for it, Mike added. 
but I paid 45 50 bucks a week until I got it paid. The couple married at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Dubuque on April 11, 1964. They will celebrate their 60th anniversary in the spring. After a short honeymoon visiting Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Milwaukee, and Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, they settled back in Dubuque in Sandy's little mobile home while making plans to build their forever home. The couple has one daughter, Pam Stearman, and one granddaughter, Cindy. They bought a lot on Dubuque's north end, not far from where Mike had grown up. He remembers their neighborhood when it was farmland, and the hill where their home sits was the same one he used to bike down at top speed with his friends. I remember going down that hill with once on my bike, and before I could stop, I was in the middle of 32nd Street, he said. I hit my brakes, and car was coming, and he hit his brakes. I swear he was just inches from my knee. They soon built their home on the hill. We built the house ourselves, except for the plastering, the brick, and the cement foundation, Sandy said. Mike would come here after work and start on it. I'd bring supper, and we'd eat right in the middle of this floor, and then go back to work, painting or finishing or doing whatever needed to be done. They moved into the house in 1968 when Pam was just a toddler, and it has been their home for more than 55 years. As parents, they both spend a lot of time getting their daughter well in her younger years. Born with a heart defect, five-year-old Pam required surgery. Prior to that, there were a lot of doctor appointments in Iowa City, and in the middle of that, Mike was in a serious motorcycle accident that resulted in a broken leg and collarbone. It was a lot, Sandy said. I was nursing both of them for a while. But Pam's surgery was a success, and she went on to play softball for several years, with Mike and Sandy cheering her on at every game. Mike, a talented car and motorcycle mechanic, opened Mike's motorcycle repair while continuing his work at John Deere. Eventually, he went to school to learn to be a tool and die maker for John Deere and retired as a tool and die supervisor in 1995 after 32 years at the company. Sandy was at A.Y. McDonald for 41 years and worked her way up to credit manager before retiring in 2001. Mike has been the traveler in the family, taking long motorcycle trips with friends to far-flung places such as Alaska. That never appealed to Sandy, but she did become a drag, drag racing enthusiast thanks to Mike's interest in the sport. Despite retiring, they haven't slowed down much. Sandy leads funeral dinners at Holy Ghost Catholic Church and often helps with accounting tasks. Mike continues to work on anything it runs, including his own vehicles, a Can-Am three-wheeler, a Honda Goldwing, a Corvette, and a snowmobile. It's been a pretty good life, Mike said. Mike and Sandy agree they've rarely had a disagreement, and Sandy appreciates that Mike has treated her as an equal partner in their marriage. He knows that I have an opinion, and it's not just opinion that matters, she said. Mike nodded. You could cut your problems in half if you just listen to the other half. Do you know a long-married couple? Love That Lasts is a series highlighting local couples who have been married for at least 50 years. To nominate a couple to be featured in this series, contact reporter Michelle London at 563-588-5655 or michelle.london at thmedia.com. Be sure to include the couple's name, city of residence, contact information, how long the two have been married, and their wedding date. Mental health struggles among Wisconsin youth rising. School officials' state reports say... Story by Maya Bond, maya.bond at thmedia.com. Southwest Wisconsin school officials say students' mental health struggles are on the rise, particularly since the COVID-19 pandemic and include increasing suicidal thoughts and self-harm. A recent Wisconsin Office of Children's Mental Health report highlights statistics that illustrate Wisconsin youth are struggling with their mental health, and officials say the statewide numbers mostly match what Southwest Wisconsin is seeing. 
The report found, quote, extremely concerning rates of anxiety, depression, self-harm, and suicidal thoughts among youth in the state, particularly for girls, people of color, and LGBTQ plus youth. The report compares the most recent data, mostly from 2021 and 2022, to prior data, mostly from 2017 through 2019. It found the rate of high school students feeling sad or hopeless jumped from 27% to 34%. Maxwell Long, Director of Student Services for the Platteville School District, said the number of students seeing counselors on a regular basis has been increasing since the pandemic. We have noticed more pronounced mental health concerns being communicated by our students to our service professionals, Long said. Lori Nodarft, Middle School Counselor and Assistant Principal at Darlington Elementary slash Middle School, said she specifically has seen an increase in students' anxiety since the pandemic. I think the kids got used to and comfortable being at home Nordoff said, I think coming back to school was very hard on a lot of kids. The report also found 61% of kids feel, quote, school connectedness down from 71%. The rate of students who have a trusted adult at high school dropped from 72% to 67%. Nordoff Nordoff said she agrees the kids are less connected to school and said technology plays a huge role in that. We have an awful lot of kids that rather than getting an going and getting together and playing after school. They're going home and they're getting on their devices, she said. Long said student surveys show most students in Platteville have at least one person they feel connected to, but there's still a number of students who might not. He said ensuring kids have strong relationships at school is a district priority, and all officials offer trauma-informed care training for staff to learn how to best develop relationships with students. Ensuring that we do help students find that the person they feel connected to so that they have someone who's in their corner should they need it is of utmost importance to us, Long said. Long said, Platteville District also offers crisis intervention and intervention tr- crisis prevention and intervention training for staff with a focus on attention and anxiety reduction, along with training on subconscious bias and culturally responsive teaching. The state report also notes that cyberbullying and rates of students being bullied on school property have decreased 2% and 6% respectively, which Long and Nodorf said matches what they see within their schools. Both Long and Nodorf said their school districts have increased the number of behavioral health positions, whether they be counselors, social workers, or therapists, in recent years to help meet the need for students. Nodorf said Darlington Community School District has also allowed community-based therapists to conduct therapy sessions with students at schools in an effort to provide more resources. We just provide a place here at school where kids can get therapy, Nordar said. They don't have to leave school. Parents don't have to transport them, and we've seen a real increase in the number of families utilizing that. The report also found that 48% of Wisconsin LGBTQ plus youth seriously considered suicide, up from 43%. Nordoff said she hadn't seen that specifically, but said all youth are welcome in Darlington schools and that she is more than willing to counsel any student. Long said that while she doesn't have metrics on what looks like that looks like for Platteville schools, the district social workers work with the Southwest Wisconsin Rainbow Alliance to make LGBTQ plus youth feel more welcome at school. Royal Palmer, president of the Alliance, said based on his own upbringing as a gay kid in rural Wisconsin, that statistic is not a shock. Southwest Wisconsin Rainbow Alliance advocates for and supports LGBTQ plus individuals and offers monthly support groups for those youth. 
I like to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not. It's definitely tragic, but I completely understand those statistics, Palmer said. Palmer said, anti-LGBTQ plus legislation being proposed and passed in recent years, both nationwide and in Wisconsin, is a contributing factor to that statistic. Wisconsin State Legislature passed a ban on gender-affirming care for minors in 2023, but Governor Tony Evers vetoed it last month. Even if a parent or government official doesn't necessarily understand what the child is trying to explain to them or what they're experiencing, there doesn't need to be a denial of that truth, Palmer said. What legislation gets passed, it just sends a message of keep your mouth shut and don't be your authentic self because if you are, you're only going to get heartbreak and exclusion. Maya Bond is a report for AmeriCorps member. Here is a look at local law enforcement reports. The Dubuque Police and Dubuque County Sheriff's Department reported. Raymond L. Lee, 48, of 1705 Prescott Street, was arrested at 10.31 p.m. Sunday in the 2000 block of Kerper Vollard on charges of domestic assault with strangulation, domestic assault third or subsequent offense, and interference with official acts. Manchester Police Chief announces retirement. Dayline, Manchester, Iowa, after three decades with the department, Manchester's police chief will retire this spring. Chief Jim Housechild will mark his last day on May 31. He will have served the department for 30 years this April and became chief in May of 2014. In a phone interview, Housechild said he has taken advantage of an early retirement offer, incentive offered by the city. He also feels it is time to step back, given his long tenure. Law enforcement is one of those jobs that you need to want to do it, he said. There has to be a passion for it, and you have to enjoy it, and if those things aren't in place, I don't want to be doing it. I always said I would get out before I lost my passion for it, and 30 years is a long time to do this job. Our child said city officials are determining the process for selecting his replacement. Dubuque Airport to host TSA pre-check enrollments. The Transportation Security Administration will hold an enrollment event for TSA pre-check March 11th, through 15th at the Dubuque Regional Airport. Enrollments will be held at the airline ticket office number two, according to a press release. TSA PreCheck is an expedited screening program that allows airline passengers to leave their shoes, lightweight outerwear, and belts in designated screening lanes. Those passengers can also keep their laptop in its case and a compliant liquids or gels bag on a carry-on in a carry-on bag. There is a $78 enrollment fee, which covers a five-year membership. Appointments are available from 9 a.m. to noon and 1 to 5 p.m. and can be made online at identogo.com slash precheck. Most local Iowa counties' unemployment rates increased slightly in December. Unemployment rates at most local Iowa counties increased slightly in December compared to a month earlier, while Southwest Wisconsin County continues to boast the lowest unemployment rate in the state according to recently released reports. Dubuque County's unemployment rate was 2.8% in December, up from the 2.7% recorded in November, and down from the 3% recorded in December 22, according to Iowa Workforce Development. Elsewhere in the state, Clayton County's unemployment rate was 4.2% in December, compared to 3% in November, and 5.1% in December 2022. Delaware County's rate was 2.8%, up from 2.3% in November, and up from 2.6% a year ago. Jackson County's rate was 2.7%, down from 3% in November and down from 3.3% a year ago. Iowa's statewide unemployment rate was 3.2% in December, 
down from 3.3% in November and up from 3% a year ago. In Wisconsin, Lafayette County's unemployment rate was 1.9% in December, the lowest rate in the state according to Wisconsin's Department of Workforce Development. The county's unemployment rate was 2% in December 22. Crawford County's unemployment rate was 4.3% in December, up from 3.6% in December 2022. Grant County's rate was 2.5%, up from 2.1% a year ago, and Iowa County's rate was 2.3%, up from 2% a year ago. Statewide, Wisconsin's unemployment rate was 2.7% in December, up from 2.2% a year ago. In Illinois, Joe Davis County's unemployment rate was 4.3% in December, up from 3.6% a year earlier, according to the Illinois Department of Employment Security. Statewide, Illinois' unemployment rate was 4.2% in December, up from 4% a year earlier. Dubuque School Foundation seeks Distinguished Alumni Award nominations. Foundation for Dubuque Public Schools officials seek nominations for the 2023 Distinguished Hometown Alumni Award. The award recognizes Dubuque Community School District graduates who currently live in the Dubuque area and have made a positive impact in the community and schools, according to an online announcement. The winner will be honored at the Foundation's annual event on March 20th. Previous recipients of the award have included Cheryl Falb, Susan Butler-Ritz, Tim Hodge, Jeffrey Mozena, Anne McDonough, Susan R. Farber, and Kristen Woodward Vossen. Nominations must be submitted by February 19th. Visit Foundation Ford DBQS Schools dot org slash events for more information. You're listening to a reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Lois M. Loki. Deadline Manchester, Iowa. Lois Marie Loki, 81, of Manchester, passed away on Saturday, January 27, 2024, at her home surrounded by her family. She was born August 16, 1942, in Monticello. The daughter of Lewis and Florence Murray Smith, Lois was raised and educated in Worthington and was a graduate of St. Paul Catholic High School. She attended Briarcliff College in Sioux City. She earned her associate's degree in Northeast Iowa Community College in Piasta. On November 27, 1964, Lois was married to Walter Loki in Worthington. They had nine children and the family lived and farmed in rural Greeley. The couple later divorced. Lois moved to Manchester in 1991 and worked for the West Delaware School District for many years. Lois was a longtime member of St. Joseph and St. Mary's Catholic Churches and the Catholic Daughters of the Americas. She played piano and was an avid reader. She especially enjoyed history and had a passion for learning. She was a hospice volunteer and received the honor of Iowa Hospice Volunteer of the Year. Lois enjoyed visiting with friends and family, above all, she loved her family and spending time with them. She could say so many more things about our we could say so many more things about our beautiful mother, but she would not want us to do that. She was the most selfless person we ever knew, and no one ever had a better mother than we did. Survivors include her seven children Linda Jim Mayo of White River, Vermont, Cindy Darrell Parker of Bellevue, Pete and Nicole Locke of Loki of Rose Hill, Kansas, Mike Megan Loki of Manchester, 
Tim Joanna Loki of Manchester, Peggy Tim Harbaugh of Piazza, and Mandy Jason Munzer of Golden, Colorado. 21 grandchildren, one great-granddaughter, a brother, Lloyd Smith of New Vienna, one sister, Marilyn Rubner of Arlington, and Aunt Carolyn Hunt of Edgewood, and many nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her two parents. Two children, Andy Loki, Loki and Sally Loki, sister and brother-in-law, Kay and Jerry Hahn, sister-in-law, Mary Ann Smith, and other relatives. In lieu of flowers, the family prefers memorials to the St. Joseph Catholic Cemetery in Greeley or Northwest Iowa Area Agency on Aging. Online condolences may be sent to www.leonard-mullerfh.com. Massive Christian Burial, 11 a.m. on Thursday, February 1 at St. Mary Catholic Church in Manchester, Iowa with Reverend Gabriel Anderson officiating visitation. 3 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 31, 2024, at Leonard Muller Funeral Home in Manchester with a 2 p.m. scripture service. Friends may also call from 9.30 to 10.45 a.m. before the Mass at the Church on Thursday. Interment, St. Joseph Catholic Cemetery, Greeley, Iowa. David V. Tone, Dateline, McCulkett, Iowa, born July 6, 1964, to parents Mel and Roseanne Seep. Tone in beautiful Dubuque, Iowa. He was the second of two sons, joining his older brother, Tom, Kathy, David. David especially enjoyed the outdoors, Dutch oven cooking, deer hunting, camping, and riding his motorcycle on his youth and as an adult. He was an animal lover, dogs in particular, and always had one or more by his side. He met his soulmate, Maxine Hayes, at the age of 16. They remained loving sweethearts through the rest of his life. David was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy at the tender age of 16 during his sports physical for wrestling. He and his wife, Max, had two children, Alexander and Kirsten. He was a stay-at-home husband and father, and he worked part-time as a delivery driver and later as a taxi driver in Galena. David believed volunteering was a lifestyle. He was a positive role model to many, many youth, as he shared his interests in the outdoor and religion as a scout leader and Sunday school teacher. He deeply enjoyed teaching new skills or ideas and watching those under his tutelage girl. His hobbies included reading murder mysteries, home repair shows, woodworking, and, or, and brewing his own beer as a member of the Dubuque Area Society of Brewers. He was a loving son, husband, brother-in-law, father, father-in-law, uncle, and grandfather. He lived a life full of love for God. He survived two heart transplants, one in 1983 and a second one in 2013. I always looked forward to the positive as he journeyed through health challenges with both courage and strength. He snared many with his dry wit that could be sarcastic or slapstick, often catching them by surprise in his net. He left this earth a legacy of hope through valor and quiet dignity in times of challenge. He is survived by his father, Melton, his wife, Maxine Max, his children, Alexander, Gina, and Kirsten, Darren Kelly and his granddaughter Reagan and brother Tom Cathy and was preceded in death by his mother, Roseanne, and both sets of grandparents. Agnes Bernhard, Dateline Bellevue, Iowa. Agnes Bernhard, 93, of Bellevue, died Sunday, January 28, 2024. Visitation will be from 8.30 to 9.45 a.m. Thursday, February 1, at St. Raphael Cathedral, where a mass for Christian burial will follow at 10 a.m. Burial will take place in Mount Olivet Cemetery in Key West. Hoffenschneider and Kitchen Funeral Home and Cremation Service, 3860 Asbury Road, is assisting the family. Robert J. Mills. Robert J. Mills, 88 of Dubuque, died Sunday, January 28, 2024. Private services will be held. A private burial will take place in Dubuque Memorial Gardens, 
Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, is assisting the family. Jack A. Lucas, Port Orchard, Washington. Jack A. Lucas, 66, of Port Orchard, and formerly of Dubuque, died Thursday, January 25, 2024. Private services will be held. Tri-State Cremation of East Dubuque, Illinois, is assisting the family. Deborah Thomas Hoffel, Eugene, Oregon. De- Deborah Thomas Hoffel, 66 of Eugene and formerly of Dubuque, died Friday, January 26, 2024. A memorial service will be held in Dubuque at a later date. Thomas G. Kiefer, Dateline Jacksonville, Florida. Thomas G. Kiefer, 67 of Jacksonville and formerly of Dubuque, died Tuesday, January 9, 2024. A celebration of life will be held from 2 to 4 p.m. Sunday, February 4th, via Zoom. Jason J. Wernke, Jason J. Wernke, 42 of Dubuque, died Monday, January 22, 2024. Private services were held. Bear Funeral Home, 1491 Main Street, is assisting the family. Mary C. Norwood, Dateline Savannah, Illinois. Mary C. Norwood, 89 of Savannah and formerly of Elizabeth and Hanover, died Wednesday, January 24, 2024. Visitation will be held from 10 to 11 a.m. Saturday, February 3rd at Faith Lutheran Church in Elizabeth, where services will follow. Burial will take place in Trinity Lutheran Cemetery in Mount Carroll. Law Jones Funeral Home of Savannah is assisting the family. Robert D. Hudson, Dateline Catsville, Wisconsin. Robert D. Bob Hudson, 84 of Castle, died Sunday, January 27, 2024. Visitation will be from 9 to 11 a.m. Wednesday, January 21 at St. Charles Catholic Church in Castle, where a massive Christian burial will follow. Burial will be in the church cemetery. March Schwartz Funeral Home of Lancaster is assisting the family. Alice Cans Hines. Alice Cass Hines, or Hins, 96, of Dubuque, died Friday, January 26, 2024. A visitation will be from 9 to 10 a.m. Tuesday, February 6, at St. Anthony Catholic Church, where services will follow. Interment will take place at Mount Olivet Cemetery in Key West. Eaglehoff, Seagert, Chris, and Caspert Funeral Home and Cremation 2569. John F. Kennedy wrote, is assisting the family. Thomas R. W. Root. Dateline Savannah, Illinois. Thomas Tom W. Root, 94, of Savannah, died Tuesday, January 16, 2024. Visitation will be from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Saturday, February 24th, at Community United Church of Christ in Savannah, where a celebration of life will follow. Law Jones Funeral Home of Savannah is assisting the family. Dan Marburger, Dateline Sabula, Iowa. Dan Marburger, 56 of Sibula died Sunday, January 14, 2024. Visitation will be from 1 to 4 p.m. Saturday, February 20, February 3rd at Calvary Lutheran Church in Sibula, where services will follow. La Jones Funeral Home of Sibula is assisting the family. Here's information about area funeral services. Marlene C. Bastian, Dubuque Visitation, 10 a.m. to noon today, Furlong Funeral Chapel, Galena, Illinois. Service noon today at the funeral home. Kenneth J. Bryce, or Breeze, Dyersville, Iowa. Visitation 9 to 10 a.m. today. Kramer Funeral Home, Dyersville. Service 10.30 a.m. today. St. Francis Xavier Basilica, Dyersville. Marcia L. Conlon, Dubuque. Visitation 3 to 4, 5.45 p.m. today. Bear Funeral Home, 1491 Main Street. 
service 6 p.m. today at the funeral home. Barbara A. Hirsch, Dubuque, visitation, 3 to 5.30 p.m. today, Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, service, 5.30 p.m. today at the funeral home. Wilma J. Hogan, Farley, Iowa, visitation, 3 to 8 p.m. today and after 9 a.m. Wednesday, January 31, Wright Funeral Home, Farley, service, 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, St. Paul's Catholic Church in Worthington. Robert D. Hudson, Cassville, Wisconsin, visitation, 9 to 11 a.m. M. Wednesday, January 31, St. Charles Catholic Church, Castle, Massive Christian Burial, 11 a.m. Wednesday at the Church, Lois M. Loki, Manchester, Iowa, Scripture Service, 2 p.m. Wednesday, January 31, Leonard Muller Funeral Home, Manchester, Iowa. Visitation, 3 to 7 p.m. Wednesday at the Funeral Home, and from 9.30 to 10.45 a.m. Thursday, February 1, St. Mary Catholic Church, Manchester, Massive Christian Burial, 11 a.m. Thursday at the Church. Sharon K. Myers, Lancaster, Wisconsin, Visitation, 4 to 7 p.m. Thursday, February 1, and 10 to 11 a.m. Friday, February 2nd, Martin Schwartz Funeral Home at Crematory, Lancaster, Service, 11 a.m. Friday at the Funeral Home. Jean M. Ryder, Cascade, Iowa, Visitation, 9 to 11 a.m. Friday, February 2nd, St. Martin's Catholic Church, Cascade, Service, 11 a.m. Friday at the Church. Ronald A. Spillane, East Dubuque, Illinois. Service, 11.30 a.m. Saturday, February 3rd, St. Michael's Catholic Church, Galena. Anna May Wimmer, Dubuque. Visitation, 3 to 4, 5.45 p.m. Wednesday, January 31. Bear Funeral Home, 1491 Main Street. Service, 6 p.m. Wednesday at the Funeral Home. Here's another obituary. Stephanie A. Malero, Stephanie A. Malero, 48, of Dubuque, died Saturday, January 27, 2024. Visitation will be from 3 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 31, and from 9 to 10.30 a.m. Thursday, February 1, at Leonard Funeral Home and Crematory, 2595 Rockdale Road, where services will follow. Burial will be in the Mount Olivet Cemetery. BizBuzz Salon Boutique Opening in Dubuque. Local cosmetologist adds teaching to offerings. Antique store opens in Dyersville. Column by Grace Nyland, grace.nyland at thmedia.com. BizBuzz shares business tidbits from the tri-state area. This edition highlights developments in Dubuque and Dyersville, Iowa. Two Dubuque businesses are set to debut this week on Hillcrest Road. Main and Company, a full-service salon, will open Thursday, February 1, at 3460 Hillcrest Road. Ivy and Thread, a woman and children's boutique, recently opened at the same address. Both businesses are owned and operated by Caitlin Engling. The storefronts are connected by interior doors, so it's really nice that people can get the best of both worlds and check out both the salon and the boutique at the same time, Engling said. While the storefront is new, the Ivy and Thread brand is not. Angling previously ran the business online and held several pop-up events across Dubuque to promote the store. The goal was always to open a physical storefront once the business had built up enough of the following to support a brick-and-mortar location, Angling said. Already, Angling has seen some familiar faces from previous pop-up events. The store sells women's clothing sizes small through 4XL and youth items for newborns through children's size 8. During those pop-up events, doing those pop-up events definitely helped with foot traffic because people have been following the Ivy and Thread name, she said. 
It's really nice to have this permanent space now, though. Maine and Company is a new endeavor for angling that grew from her previous work as a cosmetologist at other area salons. The 10 Chair Salon offers a variety of services related to hair, makeup, and skin care. The salon also has a suite specifically for bridal services for women looking for a private personalized environment to get ready on their wedding day. In March, Angling plans add a head spa for clients interested in improving their scalp health. Such services are helpful for scalp-related concerns such as eczema, hair loss, oily hair, and more, she said. It's kind of like getting a facial, but on your head, Angling said. It's about your scalp and creating a healthy environment for the rest of your hair, and it can really be tailored to whatever you need. Main and Company is open by appointment and can be scheduled contacted for scheduling at 563 5526610. The hours for Ivy and Thread are posted weekly on the Boutique's Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.com slash ivythreadboutique. Cosmetologist turns teaching. A debut cosmetologist is now training other technicians in the art of the craft. Jasmine Nakia, owner of Jazz Lash, is offering eyelash extension classes out of her studio at 4855 Asbury Road. The two to three day course offers a back to basic approach for aspiring lash technicians. Nakia said acquiring a variety of standard skills can go a long way in establishing a successful business in the industry. If you're a true professional and your client knows you care about your service and the cleanliness of that service, they're going to come back and they're going to tell everyone about you. Nakia has been a licensed cosmetologist for 13 years and previously owned Glam Salon at 33. 40 Center Grove Drive. Before moving to Las Vegas, she returned to Dubuque last year and set up shop on Asbury Road. There, she specializes in eyelash extensions and makeup for weddings and other special occasions. Nakia decided to add a teaching component as she saw both the popularity of lash extensions rise, both locally and nationwide. When I started doing lashes, it was like you had to know somebody who knew somebody to get your lashes done, she said. Now it's more in the public eye and it's a lot more talked about and that's come with a lot more people wanting to get into it. The training can be offered in person or online, Nakia said. She's already worked with several local cosmetologists and recently worked with a virtual client from Africa. Each course can be specialized for clients wanting to work on a specific skill. Additional information about the training and Nakia's other services and products can be found online at Jasmine. Nakia.com at Jazzlash is open for in-person appointments, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday or later by appointment. Antique store opens in Dyersville. A new antique store has opened in Dyersville with the goal of having, quote, something for everyone. Josiah's Antiques and Treasures recently opened at 101 First Avenue West in Dyersville. The store offers a variety of vintage antiques as well as Retro collectibles from the late 20th century. It's kind of a hybrid of two things I love, said owner Josiah Worm. It's old-fashioned antiques and pop culture stuff from the 80s. Something for everyone? That was my idea. Worm said his interest in antiques started roughly five years ago when he attended a real estate sale on a whim. As he picked up items on the sale, at the sale, he began to research them online to learn more about their history. He soon began to collect items to resell online or at antique fairs around the area. Around that time, he also started setting up booths at regional conventions to buy and sell retro collectibles such as old games or figurines. I really fell in love with picking up whatever item 
piqued my interest in learning its history, Rome said. That's how it started, but it really ballooned from there into all this. As his collection grew, Rome began to realize he needed space to store and display his items. The idea of opening a physical location subsequently bloomed, but he didn't take but he didn't take the leap until he heard about an open storefront on Dyersville First Avenue late last year. Worm jumped on the location in, quote, a spur-of-the-moment decision, and since has filled it with myriad unique and or nostalgic items. His antique collection includes a variety of furniture, glassware, and other decor. He also sells a variety of figurines, toys, and model kits from the 80s and 90s for customers looking to relive a more recent time in history. It's great to see people joy when they find an old toy or something they had back in the day, he said. They buy it, and it's like they get to relive that memory. Josiah's Antiques and Treasures is operating on winter hours. It's open 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. More information is available at his Facebook page at bit.ly slash 42EO4C. Business Tips Sauce. Do you have an interesting story, idea, or news tip to share about local business? Ideas can be shared with business reporter Grace Nyland at grace.nyland, that's N-I-E-L-A-N-D, at thmedia.com, or by calling her at 563-588-5647. Here's a column by Amy Gilligan, Telegraph Herald Executive Editor. Gilligan, headline is Gilligan, join us in honoring our 54th TH First Citizen Award recipient. Today's the day your chance to celebrate the 54th annual TH First Citizen Award winner, Tim Collin. In today's Telegraph Herald, you'll find a commemorative section honoring Tim and full of congratulatory messages from businesses, organizations, and individuals, all of whom have felt Tim's impact in their lives. It's truly a testament to him to see the broad outpouring of well wishes. In addition, friends, family, colleagues, and anyone on who whose life Tim Collin has made an impact, is invited to attend our First Citizen reception tonight. The reception will be from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. today at Diamond Joe Casino's Harbor Room and features a chance to congratulate the winner, a short program, as well as hors d'oeuvres. The program will begin at 6.15 p.m. The event is free and no RSVs are required. The event will also be shown live on telegraphherald.com for anyone who can't make it. Join us to celebrate another great community treasure. Change in her magazine format coming. For more than 20 years, Telegraph Herald has published her magazine, originally delivered four times a year inserted in the TH. The popularity of the magazine eventually grew to a monthly cadence, mailed directly as a free subscription. Beginning with her April 1 edition, her again will undergo a transition. Recognizing rapidly growing number of digital readers and the potential for innovative contact and advertising opportunities. Her will shift to a digital-only publication. If you already are subscribing to her, there is nothing you need to do. Your new e-edition will be delivered directly to your inbox each month, along with your free weekly e-newsletter. New and previous e-editions of her also will be available to her peruse for free at herdbq.com, where you can all subscribe to begin receiving the e-edition magazine and e-newsletter via email if you aren't already. We're excited to, about this opportunity to deliver content to our readers in a new format. Congratulations, Leitner. Three tiers for TH Sports editor Jim Leitner, who was awarded the Iowa High School Baseball Coaches Association Media Award. Established in 1977, the honor recognizes contribution of newspaper, radio, and television journalists for promoting the sport of prep baseball. 
Each year, the IHS BCA honors three media members, one each from from the East, Central, and West District. Since the award's inception, only 17 media members have received the award more than once, and Leitner is now tied for having been recognized the most times at four, along with Matt Gengler of the Missouri Valley Times. Honored in 1998, 2002, and 2009, as well as this year, Leitner earns this accolade honestly, for he truly has a heart for baseball. The IHSBCA Awards Banquet took place January 20th in Cedar Rapids. Austin Hines of the Council Bluff Non-Pearl Newspaper and Andrew Swadner of KNIA Radio in Indianola were the other recipients this year. We're proud of Jim's dedication to local coverage of prep sports and congratulate him on this deserving recognition. You can email gilligan at amy.gilligan at thmedia.com. Here's a letter. State focus on AEA salaries puzzling. This is from Kyle Gassman of Monticello, Iowa. One of the issues which seems to be motivating Republicans is the salary of AEA administrators and especially the chief administrator. This is an interesting puzzle. Both Governor Reynolds and Senator Kulker and Representative Bradley recently identified the AEA administrative salaries as an issue. Each of these leaders seems to be angry at the salary for some educational leaders who are to guide people to serve the most vulnerable children. If this is the issue, then solve the situation but establish a lower ceiling, currently 5% of the total budget. Then change the ma limit maximum for administrative salaries. The explosive approach to eliminate local AEA boards, property, many services, moving all special education services staff to the Iowa Department of Education is not necessary. The current proposal by the governor and supported by many Republicans is very likely to reduce services for students, especially students with learning challenges. Is this Iowa nice? Further, the focus on AES salaries is perplexing. We have many coaches at state universities earning substantially more than $1 million a year. I realize that these salaries might be supported by athletic revenues. However, this is a fascinating value for an education association organization which is to focus on learning. Are the governor and legislators prepared to focus on salaries for all state employees, or are we targeting an organization of people whose mission is to provide quality and evidence-based evidence -based instructional support for all students, but especially students with learning challenges. Again, that letter is from Kyle Gassman of Monticello, Iowa. And that does it for today's reading of the Dubuque Telegraph Herald for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm your Bill, reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. Thank you for listening.